Actually, just yesterday, in fact, I was reminded of that story from The Lord of the Rings. Um, my favorite story in the whole world. Uh, sorry, all you Harry Potter fans. But um, <laughs> um, there's the, at the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, Bilbo has his birthday party. Remember this? And he says, um, he gathers everybody together. And here's what he says. I shall not keep you long. I will not keep you long either. Uh, I've called you together for a purpose. Indeed, for three purposes. First of all, to tell you that I'm immensely fond of all of you. And that 111 years is too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable hobbits. And then he said, I don't know half of you, half as well as I should like. And I like less than half of you as well as you deserve. (laughs) There was applause, some uncomfortable laughter because I didn't know if it was a compliment. Um, secondly, to celebrate my birthday, and there were cheers. I should say our birthday, for it is, of course, also the birthday of my heir and nephew, Frodo. He comes of age and into his inheritance today. And then he goes on, and he says, finally, thirdly, I wish to make an announcement. And he spoke this last word so loudly and suddenly that everyone sat up who still could. I regret to announce that though, as I said, 111 years is far too short a time to spend among you, this is the end. I'm going, I'm leaving, goodbye. And then he stepped down and he vanished and there was a blinding flash of light. The guests blinked and when they opened their eyes, Bilbo was nowhere to be seen. And I love that because, as we all know, that's the beginning of the story, not the end. If that was the end, we wouldn't have all those great Peter Jackson movies. None of us would be better for it. So uh, that's the beginning of the story. And, and, And so with that in mind today, I guess what I wanted to do is we're beginning a new adventure today. This is not the end of an adventure you're on. It's just the beginning, just the beginning, and just the beginning of an adventure for us. We're four some years into being a church, and I, just like Bilbo, I think we have an opportunity to step into, though not disappear, this is making all kinds of funny noise, though not disappear, please, <laughs> um, into what God's got for us. And so he had three Things, purposes, I have three as well, real quick. It's a preacher thing. And these come from Acts chapter 20, and these will be really quick. Um, it happens to be where Paul says goodbye to the church in Ephesus. Um, and so, as you know, with that church, you might know, and actually we're doing a study in the uh, book of Ephesians right after this series we're in. So I'm, I'm, I began reading that letter in earnest and really excited about it. Um, and so this kind of came on my radar. He says goodbye to this church toward the end of his ministry, Acts chapter 20. And here's what he says. I just, I, th- I think this is really profound. Um, which verse should I start with? Yeah, here's what he says. And now, this is kind of his goodbye speech like Bilbo had. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race Complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And then he goes on and says some other things. But here's verse 32. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so here's the three things, okay? The first one in verse uh, 22 there. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what uh, is going to happen to me there. We're being invited. Uh, 
both you, Jenny, but our church, to understand ourselves in terms of the possibilities and promises that are ahead of us. The possibilities and promises that are ahead of us yet to be realized. Jenny doesn't know what's next. She has no idea. They, she and Matt are going to be together on Sundays. They have a new house uh, in East Edmonds, as I joke. It's Muckle Tio. No, I'm sorry. It's, it's Mount Lake Terrace, whatever. East Edmonds. <laughs> it's not by the... I'm sorry. I should not be roasting you like this up front. But they're taking a mission trip to Haiti together this summer. There's many unknowns, despite some knowns. Uh, she doesn't know her role in this new church. She's not going to be on staff. She doesn't know who her neighbors are, doesn't know what plants are coming out of the ground in her new garden. Uh, she doesn't know where she'll be a year from now. She doesn't know. She's just like Paul. I don't know what's going to happen to me there, but I'm going anyway. And we are the same way. We don't have an associate pastor lined up for May 21st. Just saying. We don't. So there will be a vacancy on May 21st, I believe. We don't know what it's going to look like that Sunday, May 20, or it's the next Sunday after, but when Jenny's gone. The ministry she supported, how our staff is going to function together, um, what Sundays are going to look like. We don't know. And that's okay. I just want to say it. It's okay. Uh, Not knowing isn't fatalism. Paul is not fatalistic. It's sort of giving into this reality, even though he says it, I'm going to suffer for Jesus. Um, We're not suffering because we're losing a great colleague and a pastor. It's a sense of living into the promises and the future that God has for us. It's like saying this, even though I don't know where I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> and Jenny said that to me a, few, a couple months ago. Even though I, I don't know the exact circumstances of my calling, I walk. It's okay. Even though I, I know it's going to be hard, and even though I know I'm not, I, might, I might not be received well, I don't know if what I say is going to be received, I know, I know I'll face suffering, it's okay. It's okay. Um, that's the faith Paul possessed when he walked out uh, that day with, on the church of Ephesus. He passed the torch of leadership to them. Um, it's the faith we're, faith we're invited to possess, whether you've known Jenny or not as a part of this church. It's the primary way, probably the only way, the Bible understands faith. There's that passage in Hebrews 11. And you know the passage, the, the cloud of witnesses, the great hall of faith, you know, all these people that are remembered for their faith. They're great because they never had designer lives. That's why they're the faithful they weren't, like, they didn't know every detail of the story before they, they lived into it. it was, their lives weren't REI catalogs, like, where they, the, the adventure is filled with, like, you know, twinkly lights and, like, a tent and a cooler with beverages in it and then friends all around you. Like, give me a break. That's not how camping looks, okay? Unless, I guess, that's how camping looks for you. But um, the point is the faithful, they've always, always, always been in situations where there was tremendous uncertainty, all around them. They, they never knew what was coming in the future, whether they'd face hardship alone or with others, whether they'd have their material needs met or not, whether they'd uh, be suffering in the midst of joy or uh, their faith would just have to take them through. They lived great lives with tremendous confidence, faithful people, uh, because they weren't mastered by life. They mastered life. And what does mastering life look like? <laughs> It's the willing to live, live life without knowing what's coming. Without saying, with, according to the promises of God, God has made many promises to always be with us, to be for us, to never forsake us. Live in that context, not worried about the circumstances. And that's our invitation this morning. 
as we send Jenny out, to live by faith, not knowing, not needing to know, just walking step by step. And that's your invitation. As you go out to East Edmonds, <laughs> join Matt, and it's to just live step by step by faith. And I know you know that, but I wanted to remind you. So that's the first thing. Second thing, verse 24, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing. It's kind of an echo of Philippians. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here's the, here's the thing. It's so easy for us to lose our focus on the main things in life, uh, to get to major in the minors. So when I was in college at UPS, Whitney, she will maybe know this. I got my major in sociology, a bachelor of science in sociology. And along the way, I almost didn't finish. I finished a year late, $100,000 in debt because um, I took, I got a minor in pottery, a minor in Latin American studies, a minor in uh, chemistry, using that real well. And I think I got a fourth minor somewhere. And here I am a pastor. It's going great. So there's this great temptation to major in the minors, like just to try everything out and do everything, a little bit of everything, but never finish the race. Uh, get busy with activities and obligations and responsibilities and weighed down by worries. I get weighed down by worries all the time. Cynicism, doubt, and forget they're not, whatever it is, not the main thing. Not the point. Here's the point. Paul says, I'm not distracted. I'm focused. I'm intent on one thing, and that's bearing witness to the grace of God. That's it. I don't care about anything else. He, God had changed Paul's life. You know the story of the road to Damascus. Changed his, pardon the pun, his path in life, and he wasn't going to waste time on anything else. He wasn't going to waste his time on how many people were sitting in the chairs on Sunday and, you know, how big the church is and if the light's on the stage. I mean, I'm being self-critical here. Look nice or not. He's all about communicating the amazing grace of God to the world. And that's, that's it, the grace of God. What does he say to the, what does Jesus say to the religious people of his day in John 5? He says to them, you know, you study the Bible because you think in there you're going to find eternal life, but you've missed the point. <laughs> it's me. Uh, the, the scriptures testify about me. So if I could be blunt, let's not miss the point. Uh, not, it's not major in the minors. Intimacy with God is the main thing. Knowing God is the main thing. Um, not knowing things that prove you know God. Not exhibiting that you know some things about God. Uh, but deep union with God. And I want to invite you to that, Jenny. In this season, that'll be a challenge. When there's so many unknowns, majoring in the, not majoring in the minors, but majoring, the, keeping the main thing the main thing. Intimacy with God. I've been listening to this song lately by Corey Asbury. He sings that song we've been singing called Reckless Love. And he has this other song called Born Again. Here's a couple lines from the song. He says, take me by the hand, walk with me by quiet streams. I need to hear the wind and feel the ground beneath my feet. And then he says this, realign my heart. Help me keep the first things first. Let me hear your whisper, God. I hang on every word. And I love that line, realign my heart. Help me keep the first things first. That's my prayer for you, Jenny. In this season where you're pulling back from being very busy with a lot of what I call minors sometimes, things that distract, that you get to focus and, and that we would be reminded as well as a church that God is about realigning our hearts on the main thing, which is union with him and not, not getting distracted by anything else. Um, may that be our prayer for Jenny as we head into this new season as well. Here's the last thing. Verse 32 uh, Paul says, now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, 
which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So what is he saying? Here's what I think he's saying. Maybe you've heard this story of Leopold Stokowski. Do you guys know who Leopold Stokowski is? Alicia should, because he's a Philadelphia guy. So he was the conductor of the Philadelphia Orchestra, but he uh, made the music for Fantasia. Remember Fantasia? And uh, so he was conducting like Beethoven's Seventh or something like that. And when it was all over, I mean, he's an amazing conductor. He's one of the best in the world uh, in history. The crowd's going crazy. You know, they're standing, standing ovation, you know, all that. And the story goes that he, he made everybody sit down, this, this theater, sit down and hush. Be quiet. Be quiet. And he says, you don't understand. He looked them in the eyes, audience members who paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these tickets. You don't understand. It's, it's not me. I can't, I can't compose. <laughs> I only conduct. It's Beethoven. It's Beethoven who built you up, not me. I'm just a channel. I'm a composer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a composer. I'm a conductor. Uh, and so that's what Paul's saying. I'm, it's God's grace that builds you up, not me. I'm just a conductor of grace. And, and I'm committing you to that grace which can build you up. It's the word of God, the grace of God that builds you up. And so here's, here's the point. Jenny has preached some great sermons here. And yet it was God's grace that worked through her. I think she would say that. Jenny has organized some fantastic gatherings. Our New Year's Eve brunch, <laughs> our first camp out alongside Sonia, the community meal every month faithfully by God's grace. Jenny has, our volunteer teams are a machine, like a machine, God's grace. Women's ministry, God's grace. It's all God's grace. And thus, friends, it's our job as Jenny goes to continue to put ourselves under God's grace to submit ourselves to God's grace, to open ourselves to God's grace, whomever God brings to serve the church next, to be aware that it's God's grace that's at the core of our life together that sustains us, to not put that person on a pedestal too much, maybe to, to show them great gratitude, but to know that it's God's grace that's the heartbeat of every human in this room and, of course, of our church um, that energizes. We are just merely conductors. Each and every one of us, we're conductors. Jenny's been a conductor, a great conductor. I'm holding back to you. I'm going to miss conducting with you. You have incredible gifts. Um, Andrew's a conductor. Becca's a conductor. We're just here to be, to conduct. We're just conducting the grace of God for you, communicating, I hope. And you are conductors. Here's the message for you today. Because all of you get to go out these doors today back into the world to work tomorrow, into your families, into your homes, and your neighborhoods, and your classes, and you're conducting there the grace of God. And it's, a, it's an immense privilege, Paul is saying, to do that, to, to bring people into the grace of God, which can change their lives. Uh, and so I want to invite us to remain wide open to the grace of God in this season. Um, God is using you, is using us, using our church in profound ways to conduct that grace. Are you with me? Let's be conductors. Um, we're going to take a moment to pray for Jenny. There's actually a fourth thing in this passage. Paul steps into the midst of the church, and he kneels, and they pray around him. We're going to actually do that. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to invite Jenny. Yes, Elliot. You can, Elliot got you some flowers, too. So uh, Jenny has had an immense impact on so many people, and... Um, <laughs> including our family. So uh, 
And so she wanted, I want to have you share just a couple things before you go. I know you wanted to share some prayer requests before we pray for you. Um, thank you. Come on up. Yeah. That is so awesome. Thanks for being patient. These are beautiful. <laughs> thank you. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to share uh, two ways that you all could be praying for me and two ways I'm going to be praying for this community uh, as I leave because, um, yeah, it has been such a privilege to help help with so many of you form sort of Bethany Northeast, and of course, with Jack and Sonia and now Becca. And um, this place will always hold such a dear place in my heart. So I wanted to share two ways. First, you, you could be praying for me, and then two ways I'll be praying for you. Uh, first, I'm entering, Matt and I are going to be entering into a new community, uh, obviously, to kind of together. We've been sort of building community separately for the last year, which is part of what's been so hard. And... Um, we're going to now be trying to do this together with his church, and it's a lot different than this one. Um, there's a lot of people who are not our age and very few people who are our age. And uh, so that's a huge prayer for me, that we would find um, really rich friendships and community, maybe with people who aren't our age. That'd be awesome, actually. So, uh, but it looks different, and so I would love prayer for that. Um, and then also the second thing uh, is I'm stepping in, as Jack mentioned, to a, a layperson role. I will not be on staff at this church, and um, I shared this with our huddle this morning, but that is uh, going to be a change for me. It's been part of my job description for the last four years to sort of live into the gifts God's given me, and now that's not true anymore necessarily. It is in some ways because accounting is a gift, and I'm going to be doing that full time, but uh as far as kind of teaching and um, some of these other gifts I feel like God has put on my heart, um, I, need to, I need discernment for how to use those. And so many of you have shown me how to do that well, how to step in and serve out of your gifts faithfully and with discernment and say no to the right opportunities and yes to the right opportunities. And so I need prayer to be able to do that well because I haven't had to do that in the same way these last four years. So those are the two things I would love prayer for. And the two things I'm praying for our congregation for, uh, I mean, there's many, but the two things that have come to mind for me especially. One, I am praying uh, that continually you all will also be stepping into your gifts. There are people in this congregation who are amazing event planners, administrators, uh, teachers, I could go on and on and on and want to invite you to find your kind of main thing, the main way God's grace works through you, and really live into it because this church uh, can make a huge impact in our community in, the, in that way and already is. That's already happening, but I am praying that that continues to happen. And then two, um, and maybe the, even my transition will be a catalyst for some of you to say, hey, I could do that, and I would love that. Second thing, uh, I'm praying that this church continues to reflect the kingdom of God more and more fully, that it's a little picture of heaven, that we have, we have an amazing co- uh, constituency of young families, but that we would have an amazing constituency of grandparents' age and of young people and young adults and high schoolers, and that we would have people who look different than uh, maybe the normal Bethany look. I don't know what that might be, but that we would have people of all different races and ethnicities and languages start to filter into these doors, that we reflect our Lake City community more and more. That is my prayer for this church. And then um, I just finally want to say thank you. 
to all of you for giving me the opportunity. This was my first pastoral call to this church, and I, I've grown a ton, um, and I have a lot of growing to do, but I feel like this could not have ever, God has put me in the most perfect place for the last four years, and the decision to leave, as I've shared before, was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make, so thank you, and I will miss you, but I won't have to miss you a ton, because I will still be around, <laughs> um, so thank you all, and yeah, that's it.